When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, midweek editions here at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And Elijah's like, you know what, we got to be doing the show outside today, the next two days. Fantastic. We will dive into some Nebraska football, their thoughts against Buffalo. We are on the doorstep of NFL Eve. So some NFL thoughts here as uh, things get rolling. Tampa tomorrow. And how about them Cowboys? Get rolling for Thursday night. Uh, we'll check in with Mike Babcock from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. He is back. He should be on the putting green, but he'll uh, take time away. Mike Shuhart. Shoe, he's all loaded up for Husker football. I mean, he is he is ready to, to give us his take as Buffalo is set to invade in hour two. Very excited to spend time, sit down with Ron Brown, Coach uh, now senior offensive analyst, but a longtime coach at Nebraska, Coach Brown with us in one hour. And then uh, a little Big Ten buffet. Rick Pizzo is on his way into town as part of BTN's coverage for uh, Nebraska and Buffalo doing sidelines. A jock doc will round you out. Numbers to get in, 5865. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And of course, can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So let me ask the question here is Saturday looms. How you feeling? Huh? How you feeling as a Nebraska fan? Illinois, Fordham, now Buffalo. I think the line has jumped, right? Wasn't it about 10 and a half or so? Uh, earlier today, and we'll have Danny Burke tomorrow. I think I'm seeing 13 and a half. So uh, Wagner's not great. Buffalo looked really good. I think the biggest concern as you go in, a couple of things. One, are you going to start fast if you're Nebraska? You have not done that. And it's amazing what happens with this football team, the instances they do start fast. Can you get out of the gate? Be right with your game plan and approach. And then while you may have been right, many instances with your game plan and approach, can you go execute? Can Nebraska start fast, be comfortable, be front running? Those are so important, I think, for this football team and their mentality. Two, if it does get tight, even if you do start fast and Buffalo's Still got the old Leopold fingerprints on it with some good players. They're not clearly nearly as what as good as they were last couple of years where they're knocking on the MAC title door. But how do you respond, right? That's that's the thing with this football team. 
start and response. And sometimes it goes okay. Sometimes it doesn't. And whether it's Fordham or Colorado or Northwestern or Minnesota or pick a game, pick a team, right? Uh, Nebraska, at least last week, (laughs) sucks to say if you're a big Red fan, but at least it was a tight game for the first quarter, right? This team needs to be in more tight games and come out the other end better for it. More battle tested, more confident, and let's let's find a bread and butter, right? Let's find a bread and butter, and maybe maybe that started to emerge with Nebraska's ground game, specifically second through third quarter, when they just sat and leaned. Now you need to continue to have an improving health with step, and there's a moment. I think Adrian talked about it, and I think Greg Austin talked about it yesterday, where. I think it was a, I don't want to go too far into the fired up category, but I think you had a a, a starting quarterback talking with an offensive line coach saying, you know, let's let's figure this out, bro. And I don't know if those were the exact words used. And Greg's like, yep, we're getting things figured out. And if they still don't perform for you, uh, then go yell at them. (laughs) But it's, it's a situation where, playing quarterback at Nebraska, the, the eyes are all on you, and, and you've seen Adrian uh, flustered Illinois game with back foot and accuracy and not umph on the throw, and then you saw him find uh, Toure and company with all day, and he looked good. So the, the question is this, shaky or sound as we move closer to Saturday? Going to be an emotional ball game, going to be an emotional setting with Nebraska, their their alternate uniforms, uh, the, the the September 11th remembrance. And I, I watched uh, the 30-minute show last night that Mitch Sherman was a part of. We'll talk with Ron Brown about that in great detail because Ron was uh, a guy that grew up uh, near Harlem before uh, bef- with part of his life. And, and Coach will tell us about his, you know, reaction experience and, and, and personal connection to some first responders uh, that, that went into the Twin Towers. And it's, it's really pretty simple about Nebraska. Nebraska taking care of Nebraska and uh, an opportunity. And, you know, Buffalo's all right. I'm glad this game's scheduled. If you're Nebraska, I'm, you got to be thankful that you got Fordham, quite honestly. You had a chance to get the bad taste out of your mouth and go work on you against mm-hmm. somebody else, Elijah. But this is intriguing. This is intriguing. Whatever happens, happens. But I guess call me uh, call me uh, gullible. But I think Nebraska will continue to improve and 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 be more sound. They're never going to be perfect. And I I feel better about Smothers again, again parsing it with consider the competition. But Smothers was was poised and ready uh, for the, for the for the lights. You can't necessarily coach that. And sometimes, guys, it takes them a little bit longer to get comfortable. I think Smothers is comfortable. I think he wants the moment. And if if that ever happens, then, you know, you got a guy mentally that's ready to go. I think special teams, as we move forward, it's going to play out huge. And there is going to be a game that Cam Taylor-Britt is back to return a punt that – 
for all the missteps he's had, I think there'll be a game this year that he'll be, he'll get the ball, he'll make a return, and it it really could help Nebraska win a ball game uh, if they stick with him because of, of how dynamic he is. He just can't lose confidence. I think what Cads talked about yesterday with you don't you don't want to punt on the guy, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, it just it just it just happened there, but you do have a guy where. You don't want it to eat away at him. It's like baseball, right? You, you make an error at third base, and then you go, you, you you lead off the next inning. You don't want to take with you what happened at third, just like you don't want to take a strikeout with you into the field. You got to leave it there, and you don't want Cam to to take with him. Either, and I don't know that this is the case, but if there's some doubt, obviously there's frustration because he wants to to help his team win, but you don't want to take any doubt with you. Uh, back to play in corner in this league. So I, I hope it works out. I want to see him make a play and, and put Nebraska in, in a short, short field uh, because that's, that's why he's back. There's 100 different candidates. You know what else I want to see Saturday? I want to see more Alante Brown, <laughs> please. We, we talk about, all right, does he know the playbook? How's the, how's the, the, uh, the, the practice Monday through Thursday going? Is he trustable? Okay, all those things. Does quarterback have trust in him knowing what he's doing? You can have him run about four different short routes. He's going to shake and bake for an extra 12. Am I dumb? You can, you can say just, just run, a, run, a, run, a, run a hitch, run a slant, run a go. He's special. His athleticism is special. You can't coach that. You got to find a way to get more footballs to Alante Brown. And and you mentioned the the swing, the hitch. Or sorry, the the slant, the hitch. And do I say the dreaded word? Give him the swing pass. You're giving, oh you're giving, it, to, lo- you're giving it to Wandale. This last is a year. this is a swing pass free area. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, but I look at him and. With uh, with the guys, I think Oliver Martin looks like a guy who is blocking down the field well. Um, Omar Manning in limited snaps doing it seems like he does it well. Uh, let's give him a chance to get out on the edge and let's try the swing pass again. If it doesn't work, burn it, throw it away, never use it again. But I, I think Alante Brown is a guy that is good. You're going to encourage it now. He's a guy who's uh, who's good in space. Um, but one thing I do want to see is you're you're right on the money. Someone's got to make a play, whether it's Cam Taylor Britt, whether it's Adrian Martinez, uh, Omar Manning, Marquis Step. I think someone's got to make a play, and someone's got to make a play early. Because you're also talking about the importance of getting off to a fast start. I think it's paramount in this game because uh, you don't want Buffalo to grow into this game. They we, can't hang around, man. We, we heard Kaz say yesterday they're a team that, despite getting a big win against Wagner, they still don't know all that much about themselves. You got to come out and you got to punch them in the mouth early and let them know, hey, this is Nebraska. You're not supposed to be hanging around with us. You got to let them know that early. And you got to let them know that often, because if you let them hang around early, they're going to grow confidence. They're going to grow into the game. And uh, we've seen Nebraska struggles in close games. I think that would be the worst case scenario. Well, and listen, you want to talk about panic if you're Nebraska. I'm not saying it'll happen, but there's definitely a pucker factor. The here we go again factor. The here we go again and a pucker factor like you're, you're watching Star Wars and the, uh, the walls are caving in on you in a tie ball game, or even if you get down. It's okay if this is a four-quarter game, right? And I know we're talking about starting fast and stomping them out, and that'd be great to see. I don't know that you're going to see it, though. Mm. I think Nebraska wins, right? I think they figure out a way to do it. We'll have our predictions Friday from the single barrel. But I think Nebraska wins by being sound, by leaning on the run game, by getting some play action, by getting more involvement with 
flat-out freak athletes like an Elante Brown and Omar Manning. You get a Martin back, and, and you get Step to get downhill. And if you got to run 400 consecutive plays behind uh, Cam and right guard and, and right tackle, so be it. Make them stop you. What I need to know is just how for real the Buffalo pass rush is. They have a, another Khalil Mack hidden there. Probably not. But is it the competition or is Buffalo that good defensively? And if they are, I mean, that's, that's, like, that's like nightmare scenario, right? You're up and you've seen it, right? You saw it against Indiana where you, you're up 17-3 to and you're driving for a not 17-7, but you're driving for pretty formidable lead after a quarter. There's a fumble. There's a return. That is, that is Murphy's Law for Nebraska football in the Frost era. You have a back-breaking turnover. In a lot of instances, it's not just a back-breaking turnover. They also get seven out of it. I, mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Nebraska's got a lead in most scoop and scores here the last three and a half years. College football. I mean, you may have, you may have one in a decade. Some teams are better at it than others. See the 1999 defense for Nebraska. But Nebraska has given up a lot of scoop and scores the last seven, eight years, right? Or, or think of the Iowa game. The screen pass, it's plucked out of the air for a touchdown, right? In a 28-20 ball game or a, a scoop and score uh, with, uh, with what happened against Illinois right before the half. I'm missing like 15 others, aren't I? There's been other strip sacks and ball game moments. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what you fear. And, and what we also don't know, we'll get to Mike Babcock here in about five minutes, is, is Nebraska a, a team because of what they are on the offensive line right now? We talked about it. But are they going to morph into a team that's got to hit some passes early to open up the run? And, and listen, that is, that, that's okay against tougher competition. But is, is that what Nebraska is? Are they a team that's going to have to throw to be able to run? Because we all talk about wanting to throw off of the run, the play action that gets you that, sep- that, that separation for a tight end or someone screaming down the slot or, or a go route, right? We've, we know how incredible Nebraska's been historically with their play action game where they maybe throw 13 times with their average about 25 a pop with uh, somebody as an option quarterback. So I don't know. I think Buffalo will help kind of define, you know, where Nebraska's offensive line is at, obviously with their pass rush, but with what they want to do moving men off the line and getting some yards. And it's okay, and this will be one of those games that you didn't really have the patience or the production or the execution against Illinois. You had it second, third, fourth against Fordham. Well, Buffalo is going to be a team that will totally test your patience. Uh, They're going to probably dare Adrian to be really good throwing the football, and it'll be 48 people in the kitchen sink in the box 
but you still got to figure it out. Yeah, and one of those plays I really think could be helpful is uh, Austin Allen, that little seam route he, he runs. Just a little flat route? Flat, or, or that one he goes just up the seam, right behind the, the, the depth between the linebackers and the safeties. Yeah. Um, and he's six foot nine. just throw it up for him. Um, I'd like to see that a little bit more. It keeps those linebackers to be able to just come downhill on their read steps. And we've seen the issues with Nebraska's offensive line getting to second level um, in the first two games of the season. So I, I think that's a, that's a great play that we saw a lot last year. I haven't seen it as much this year. Well, Nebraska could absolutely just paper cut Buffalo to death with some some run pass option as you roll right and you put Austin kind of in that H-back spot or even end line where he can just block for a count or two, release, and then just be in the flat. You can you can go Green Bay Packers or John Gruden, short controlled passing game to your backs or tight ends and, and pick up four or five a play. And and you saw Lubick or Frost go back to it in that second quarter where Austin or I should say Allen, Austin Allen had a 16-yard gash, and then another seven-yarder. They came back right to him. Use that big body at tight end. Mike Babcock next. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Senior offensive analyst and longtime assistant coach Ron Brown with us here at 505. Rick Pizzo. Also in Hour 2, we say hi to historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, you sitting out back, you enjoying the weather. How are you, man? Um, I'm doing okay, but I, w- I want to give you a name. Please. It's, uh, it's not Khalil Mack, but it's Taylor Riggins. Okay. He's got 15 and a half career sacks. Riggins? Think... Does he have a mohawk like John? <laughs> well, that I don't know. But I, but I, my point is, I think Nebraska is going to be challenged. The offensive line is going to be challenged because I think that uh, Buffalo can bring some pressure. Well, they they did uh, against Wagner, and that has been Buffalo's kind of mo for for a while. They have talented guys that can get after the quarterback, and you know, Elijah and I were chatting about this, Mike, from a game plan standpoint. Nebraska's got an awful lot of weapons, and it doesn't have to be uh, – eventually you want it to turn into big plays because Nebraska had a, a ton of big plays, and Toure was in the center of that. But you can also nickel and dime uh, on first down, or even if you, you have uh, a no gain on first down, you can put yourself in third and manageable Saturday – by finding your tight ends or your backs, can't you? I mean, is this a game where Nebraska's going to have to throw to run? Well, uh, I, you know, I would have said no uh, if you'd asked me last week. But, um, it, yeah, the, the way things have gone, it looks to me like that's, the, that's kind of the idea, is that uh, you open up the running game by, by throwing the ball. And, and, again, I think play action is good. I, I, I like that with, with Martinez, but... We'll find out some things, I think, about Nebraska this this Saturday um, playing against Buffalo because Buffalo will be a challenge. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, when you're looking at that run game, do you think that marquee step did enough against Fordham to, to secure that number one running back spot, or do you think there's still some question marks about who the number one guy is? Well, you know, I don't know how they're going to go about it. I mean, I think that they need to d- identify somebody. At most, two guys would be Irvin uh, Jr. and, and, uh, and Step. 
Um, I, I just don't think that you can continue to uh, look at it and say, well, you know, we're going to have uh, four guys still compete for that job, or we're going to have more than that. I think you have to settle on 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 one or two guys, and I think Step uh, would be the guy for me um, if he stays healthy. I think he's uh, I think he showed in that game that what he's capable of, and I think that's what you're looking for. Mike, as you've covered Nebraska football, and we both really enjoy talking offensive line that is the engine uh just like the defensive lines the engine uh specifically in the big 10 you got to be really good and be able to run the ball you got to be able to stop the run you know as you remember with nebraska football at what point i know it's always kind of an ongoing living thing the competition and practice but at what what's the latest in the season you've you remember changes being made or tweaks happening on the offensive line because you got your set group, you've got your summer workouts, you've got your fall camp, you you designate your starters, and if it ain't working like you want it to or maybe there's a a better option, uh, you go ahead and make the change. I mean, there's no... There's no uh, timeline or or deadline to, to to making changes. I understand wanting to move forward, but also you can reassess always. Yeah, um, you know it, my experience. So the last 18 years of, of Tom Osborne's uh, time as head coach. That's when I that's when I uh, was covering the Huskers. Started covering. And, you know, I don't. Mostly, I remember changes made because of injury. Mm-hmm. You know that there was so much. They were able to get so much repetition, and, and things have changed so dramatically. You know, how many days you can practice in the spring, how many days you can go full pads, how many days you can practice in the fall in preparation, all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's just a totally different dynamic. So, but, but those teams had so much experience in practice, those offensive linemen, that I think that you, you had the consistency that you're looking for. Plus, as I, I, I bring this up every time, I think, but... But what, how they would set up the offensive line is you would for sure have a third guard, somebody that could rotate mm-hmm. in there, and you would have a third tackle, somebody that could rotate in there at least minimum so that you could keep guys fresh, and that's what you're looking for. So if you can identify those guys and kind of stay with them and build the chemistry that you need, because I think right now, and I didn't think I'd be saying this, uh, getting ready for the third game of the season. I, I still think the offensive line's a work in progress. I think they're still trying to find um, where they need to be. And, uh, um, again, you're going to have a challenge with, uh, with uh, Buffalo's defense for the offensive line. And, I, you know, I think they have the ability to, uh, to deal with it. But, but, you know, we still we need to see that line mesh. Who would you circle as the third guard and third tackle right now? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not smart enough to say who who those guys are. I hope they're thinking in those terms um, because, I, I again, I think you have to have the ability maybe to rotate guys. And, you know, that, that third guy probably has to be able to play either side. Well, um, and, and a guy that, that has seen time and has gotten a start, but you saw more of him at guard, was was Banks. Yes, right. He, uh, he rotated in for, for uh, Corcoran, I think. He did, and then he also played guard when when Teddy got in Pro Hoska yeah. uh, in that fourth quarter. And you know, I I think Corcoran's kind of rounding into form here with with time missed and, and injury. So I think he'll get back to to Rutgers form sooner rather than later. Left guard, you, you know, you've got Hickson, who's also your backup center. 
We didn't get to see Bando last uh, last weekend due to an illness. But, you know, I'd like to see some of Bando. And, I, you know, I think Piper can continue to battle and, and, and get better. Uh, at right guard, Sichterman, I mean, he's been a guy that's been in the program for a long, long time. And he stuck with it and he won a job. And uh, you need that interior uh, on each side of, of Cam Jurgens really to to step forward and pass pro and, and also run blocking. I think Ben Hart's played really good ball as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, you know, you've just you've listed there that there's talent in the offensive line. You just got to get to the point where it can mesh, and you got to keep guys healthy, obviously, um, so that uh, so that you can move forward because that's – Again, like we always say, that's where it all begins, uh, up front with the offensive line. Mike, still a lot of question marks on this Huskers team. We've talked about running back and offensive line here already, but I, I want to flip the argument a little bit here and, and ask, what do you think the, the strength of Nebraska's team has been through two games? Is there a position group where you think uh, Nebraska can kind of uh, put a lot on their plate and expect them to step up to the plate aside from kickoff specialist? Well, yeah, we've seen uh, uh, Toure. Uh, has been a, a good receiver, and Oliver Martin, you know, couldn't play against Fordham, but you know he really stepped up in that first game. And I, you know, I think so, the, the, we had some questions. You know, who were who are the receivers going to be? Uh, Austin Allen uh, did a nice job in the in the Fordham game. Um, I think that's one area that's potentially a strength. I think there's still development that has to come, and again, people have to be healthy. But um, I think that's been an area that's that's been pretty strong um and uh and again i i think step is is kind of uh, shown that he could be the the number one guy uh at running back but uh you know they they are also obviously have confidence in urban um at, at that position and you know I, I still say that uh you know martinez is, is just a talented quarterback with experience and uh but it needs to cut down on those mistakes. You know, you can't be fumbling the ball. So let's talk Cam Taylor-Britt right now. And Scott was pretty emphatic about he's not going to blow a guy out, but don't make the same mistake. You know, this game Saturday could come down to, well, it will come down to field position, but, but Cam is an explosive, talented athlete. And you want to you keep giving him opportunity, but you don't want, I think he's just squeezing it too tight, Mike. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I was glad that that Scott said that he, you know, he wasn't going to hop on uh, uh, Cam Taylor Britt for for those mistakes. And they, and they were serious mistakes. I mean, you should that is pretty basic. You should know better than to 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 do the things that he did to to create those problems. But um, he is such a talented player. You got to have him on the field, and you got to have. He's got to know that he has a coach's confidence. So I, I was glad that uh, that Scott said those things. But again, you can't have those. You can't have those mistakes. Those are a veteran player wouldn't make those mistakes. Shouldn't make those mistakes. I should say. Babbers, a thought on volleyball tonight with uh, Nebraska and, of course, Creighton. Creighton whacking Kentucky. CHI is going to be rocking. I know Jacob and crew will be up there. But you know what a what a week and what a. What a example Coach Cook has with this team where they they take on everybody, they get everyone's best shot, and they are so focused and dialed in. It should be awesome tonight in Omaha. Oh, no question. Creighton has been really impressive. And, and you know, 
John Cook, the Huskers have done some. Th- you know, they've they've kind of mixed things up a little bit in the in the early in the season to to see where they stand. But we'll see a little bit more of what they really plan to do tonight. I think, and um, it would be nice to have uh, Lawrence Stiverance, but uh, um, they'll they'll do okay. I'm really looking forward to to watching this because. As I said, and as you said, Creighton has been really impressive. And I think John Cook said it's the second-best team in the country. It's the team, the best team, not named Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, pretty, pretty high praise. So He's, he's right. He's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Babbers, a last thought on, on uh, Husker uh, Athletics. Let's get your take on baseball. I know Will Bolt had time with the media to have about a minute here. But uh, Huskers landing the, the number 21 recruiting class and uh, you know, Coach Bolt. I mean, they're they're talking Omaha, which I, I appreciate. Yeah, well, well, you got to believe first of all, and you got to feel like you can you can do that. But I think that's a reasonable belief. Um, I think Will Bolt's done a great job in a very short period of time. I like his approach. I like his, you know, he approaches things the way he approached them as a player. Um, he's hard nosed, gritty, and uh, you know what was their phrase last year? Gritty beats pretty, and that's mm-hmm. the way they. Approach it. They got a lot of new guys, a lot of talented new guys. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, the the two exhibitions, Creighton and Wichita State, um, plus the Red White series, a lot, lot, lot on the plate for baseball. You are still cheering your Giants on? Yeah, yeah, they're they're hanging in there, but I I think they're going to end up second to the Dodgers in the division. Dodgers have, have gotten hot. Should be a great fall for baseball and, of course, the Hall of Fame ceremony today. Babbers, awesome to chat with you, bud. We'll uh, catch you uh, this weekend in the press box. And thanks for joining us today. Hey, see you then. Thanks for having me. All right. There he is. Historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock. Good to chat ball with him. And uh, <laughs> Taylor Riggins. He will get after Nebraska. We'll see if Nebraska gets after him. We head to the uh, the fairway next. Mike Shuhart on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time on Wednesday edition Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, senior offensive assistant, Longtime coach Ron Brown with us in 20 minutes. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, on the way. We say hi to uh, our friend from Wilderness Ridge, Mike Shuhart. Shuey's been MIA. We have found him. He's not been in the sand. He's been in the short grass. Shuey, you, you've just got a, a loaded golf course today, and I, I'd assume with all the, the, the sunshine. How are you, brother? I'm doing good. I know. It's been way too long. It's you've been, been busy last month. You've been working. You've been busy. You've been teaching. You've been uh, scoring all those tournaments, man. So give us an update first and foremost, the the golf setup at Wilderness, uh, how folks can join, how folks can fix that uh, that snap hook off the old box through you. And, of course, that swim-up bar that's going to be oh so majestic here in the near future. It is. It's it's coming along. It's coming along. Our new pro shop and – and Learning Center, we should be in that within the month. So it's taken a lot of shape. So super excited about that. Um, memberships, go to wildernessridgegolf.com. Uh, Tammy Nagel is our membership director. She can answer any questions that you have about joining out here. So it's like you need to come out. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff happening, and it's starting to slowly take some shape. You kind of see what it is, and uh, we're super excited. 
I got to get out there for like a Friday deck show again here while the while the leaves are changing here in September and October. I know it's the best time of the year, man. It's been beautiful today. It's just the top ten day. It's gorgeous out. Well, you talk to your people. Let's look at that Sparty uh, weekend. All right. I'll talk to my people. Make that happen. (laughs) Shuey, uh, the other question I've got, do you need uh, a test pilot, so to speak, for for sampling that swim-up bar once it's done? Oh, I think we'll need a few of those. Are you in for that? I I could. I mean, I'll even wear a shirt in the pool for everyone. (laughs) All right, we'll make that happen, too. Look at me begging. Let me look at, listen to me begging to be on the deck. Listen to me begging to be in the pool. What am I, chop liver and a wimpet for me? <laughs> Not yet. Listen, man. you got there's you, more than one seat, so there's at least two seats in there. So. Well, Elijah's got this cr- creepy mustache thing going, so we're going to keep him away from the club. We're going to keep him away from the club. We're going to keep him away. So let's talk football, Shuey. How, how are you feeling with the Big Red? How am I feeling? Let's put it this way. I haven't watched either one of the games. Because? So, there's no need to. It's like reading the same book every week for the last two years. I don't know anybody that reads the same book over and over for four straight years, do they? There's the Bible, but I mean, no, I, I get you. I guess it's the Bible, but we'll exclude the Bible out of that. <laughs> so you've been, you've been a tad turned off, fair to say? Well, it's just obvious. I mean, he's the coaching staff has no clue what they're doing. You know, just listen to the things that he said when he came in here. The Big Ten will adjust to my system. Mm, that quite hasn't panned out, has it? How's that panned out for him? Not so, well. Not well. So the Big Ten is just kicking him around like a bad stepchild. So, and then because he he's going to come with this plan about how he's going to make change the Big Ten and how they play football and they said, Hmm, guess you're not, so now what does he do? He doesn't know what to do. And that's obvious. Listen to his press conference because he's guessing wrong now. I didn't realize a five million dollar year coach guessed at how to put a game plan together and then guessed wrong. I didn't realize you guessed at it. I thought those were professionals that actually sat down and studied and worked and had different game plans for different things, but I guess you can just guess and not be right and go, oops, sorry. Yeah, it's it's been a little difficult. Plenty of season left. We went up to, to Illinois for the uh, road show coverage. We're headed down to Norman. So if I get you a seat on Uncle Andy's RV, you're not coming? No, no. I can already write the, the game every time, so I already know what's going to happen. Your punter's going to punt for about 38-yard average. Your special teams are going to be just that. They're going to be super special, all right. Probably not in the right way. So they're going to get no return yards, nothing special out of special teams, just the opposite. So that's a given because you just see that every week. So, And the thing that's really disappointing to me is that there was one thing that you could count on, at least in the past, is that he was typically really good at scripting the first X amount of plays. So they, they actually look pretty good on their first drives most of the time. That's changed. Now they look like crap. So it's like... Anything that they did good, they don't just do the same stuff they do. Now they just do it for four quarters. Well, Buffalo's uh, big ball game, 13-and-a-half is the number, Shuey, where Nebraska's favored. 
looked better uh, after a slow start against Fordham. I, I totally get the competition, and I know Buffalo's not Big Ten play. But we'll see if they can, can round into form here, see if they can, can get better. Yeah, I mean, that's what you hope. But, I mean, it's just, it's, to me it's very discouraging because you haven't seen it. You've seen the same story over and over and over again. It's like you just hope for kind of a different look the next week, but it's the same every week, you know, and same stuff you listen to, and it's like, mm, it's just not good enough for me. If Nebraska you know, were, a, were a golfer, who would they be? Mm. Who would they be? You wouldn't know him because they'd be off the tour. Okay. Mm. You know, they would have lost their card by now because golf is unique. It's great because you reap what you sow. You know, so I have to go out and perform every time. Every time I teed it up, I had to perform to make a living. Now, you don't have to at Nebraska. Now you got NIL and you got podcasts and you got this and that. But even players can reap rewards on. My question is, I know I went to school. I was a student athlete. You know, I wasn't a football player by any means, but I was a student athlete. And I, have, I can't even fathom that these kids have all this time to do all this other stuff and then try to perfect their craft and learn their craft, go to school, but now they get to they have time to do their podcasts and do their likenesses and then go to their sports psych person because they had a bad week. And I just don't know where they have the time to do all that. They must be way smarter and way better at time management than I was when I was in school. Mike, before we let you go here, I, I want to ask you about the Tour Championship we saw this weekend. John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay uh, dueling it out. Uh, Patrick Cantlay ends up taking home the $15 million purse. Uh, what did you think of the weekend of golf? That was pretty exciting to watch. You know, you had two tournaments that, you know, you had two guys battling it out, making it super exciting. And that just goes to show you, man, you get, you get on a roll and your confidence goes up. Patrick Cantlay played some amazing golf. You know, he just kept at it. He kept at it. I mean, he should have gotten beaten by Bryson the week before numerous times, but he just kept at it, kept at it, and good thing happened, and he won, and he did the same thing the next week, and it was pretty fun to watch. You know, it's pretty fun to watch two guys at the top of their game just going at it shot for shot and, and clutch putt after clutch putt, clutch shot after clutch shot. I mean, that always makes it super exciting to watch. Yeah. People at the best of their craft do what they do at the best. Yeah, you got to say, performer under pressure. Nebraska football could take a few notes, huh? huh? Perform under pressure? Are you kidding me? That's a given. Just fold up like a wet bag. Shuey, it'll get better, brother. Hang tight. We will talk yeah. next. We will talk next Wednesday. How's that sound? All right, I'm in. All right, brother. Good to talk to thank you. Thank you, Shuey. Bye-bye. Thank you. Go see uh, Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge. He'll fix your swing. And uh, it'll be awesome. Well, that swim-up bar is calling me. We'll wind down our one hail varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, we are 10 minutes away from uh, senior offensive analyst, and former longtime assistant coach Ron Brown, he remembers uh, September 11th, uh, his, how it impacted him, specifically with a co, well, uh, I wouldn't say a co-worker, but a, a teammate uh, when he played at Brown and a, 
and a player he coached. Uh, both men were and are first responders. So Ron will remember his time in Nebraska as he was part of the BTN coverage last night with the Tunnel Walk show, uh, honoring, remembering first responders, the heroes of 9-11 and uh, what Nebraska football did to honor those first responders back on that Thursday night against Rice. So Coach Brown in 10 minutes will spend time with Rick Pizzo, a take on Husker basketball as the schedule is out. And, man, that looks like a lot of fun for the Big Red, especially that Sunday, uh, day number two into the new year against Ohio State, probably your favorite in the league. So Husker hoops and plenty of Husker football. Rick is in town to cover Nebraska Buffalo for BTN. Reminder about buckling up, and there's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed or high, never acceptable, and law enforcement officers still working every day to stop it before more folks are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. I was reading uh, our friend Jabba Chamberlain's tweet about Derek Jeter. Uh, Derek Jeter, of course, uh, defining the one of the defining players, if not the defining player, the last 25 years in Major League Baseball, got the hall call and got the induction. A little weird that it's a Wednesday, not a weekend uh, for Cooperstown. But Carson didn't really get to see. He saw Jeter play a few times, but uh, <laughs> he switched his number from, from Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn from 99 to, to number two to, to tribute Jeter. Uh, that side of the family, meaning his mama and him, are Yankees fans. And I always, dude, I always respected Jeter uh, because of how, A, he got it done in the clutch. He was effortless, was incredible with the average, had timely power, uh, not just gaps, but just he could he could take one out of the yard, but he just was such a leader. And it was incredible to have a chance to watch him play and kind of resurrect as much as I don't like them, totally respect them resurrect the Yankees and it was Jeter it was uh, of course uh, it was uh, Brocious it was Paul O'Neill I mean it was it was a a group of farm kids Mariano obviously uh, and they that farm team brought Yankee baseball back to prominence then dominance then titles yeah and they went on this the spending spree but it was their it was their you know 94 draft class that got it handled. They're 92 draft class that got it handled. And it was the spending sprees where I was going to go. I, I, my, my childhood is, uh, memories are Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter on the left side of that infield. And it was Derek Jeter uh, hitting for singles and doubles and A-Rod uh, bringing him around with a home run with the long ball. So uh, that, that team was legendary. I I uh, I don't think I got to witness uh, Jeter in his prime as much as I wish I could have. But uh, Sure. Entertaining, big part of my job. No, he was, he was incredible to watch. Ron Brown, fantastic. He's next on Hale Varsity.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We bring in senior offensive analyst, longtime coach, a number of years with Nebraska football, Ron Brown with his coach. Uh, gorgeous fall weather out there. How you been? Great. Yeah, it is. It was really a, a cool 55 maybe this morning going out, so that was noticeably different. Refreshing. Feels like autumn. It's been great. So are you a non-sleeves guy? A non-sleeves guy. Yeah. I'm a long sleeves guy. <laughs> I used to be. I used to be when I had muscles. Uh, I used to be a no sleeves guy, but <laughs> now I'm a long sleeves guy. That's all right. <laughs> you know, I still think no. you, you still work out pretty heavy, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I work out quite a bit. So, speaking of uh, staying and being in shape, Trev is back at Nebraska. Can Trev still get out there and get after the quarterback about seven, eight plays? Yeah, if we put his hand on the ground, I think so. I mean, there was a time there with Trev that we were standing him up a lot until sometimes he was rushing, sometimes he was dropping. He was really, I think, uh, and, and of course he was very good then too, but when we put his hand on the ground, particularly his senior year, he was dynamic. I mean, he was really tough to stop uh, as a full-time rush guy. So, uh, yeah, he had uh, fantastic abilities. As a matter of fact, um, I literally saw him vertical leap 41 inches from a standstill for the NFL scouts and uh you know that was impressive he was probably around 260 pounds at the time when he did it so pretty impressive uh back in the day then he got around the the edge so quick and was great against the run but I remember obviously against Charlie Ward but I just the UCLA game I mean his career even going back to uh, that that Halloween night game against Colorado, uh, he was all over it. I mean, a, a true great, obviously, college football Hall of Famer. Did he play at 260 in, in Lincoln, or was he a little lighter? Well, I think for the most of his career, he was a little lighter. But uh, as as the NFL scouts were coming around at the end of his senior year, he, uh, I think, started to beef up and, uh, um, you know, through his workouts mm-hmm. and so forth, he was probably going to be a – in the National Football League, a down guy, so uh, it made sense. But he was uh, he was impressive. He was twitchy and uh, and he was explosive. Ron Brown's with us on Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. You you were featured with BTN's Tunnel Walk program last night, and uh, wanted to spend a few minutes with you on your recollection and uh, the, the Rice game. Not long after the terrorist attacks, Let, let's go back though to to September 11th. You uh, are, are a man who grew up on the East Coast, that part of the country. Obviously, still even 20 years later, mourning what what happened how did 9-11 affect you well shocking uh schmitty i think as it was for everybody in the country but particularly you know i'm i'm originally from new york city and i lived there for a while uh i remember waking up uh years ago you know i lived up in washington heights harlem area right on the right on the the coastline there of the hudson river so on a clear day from around 152nd street wherever it was i was at 155th street i could look straight down the hudson river uh, and see the Twin Towers, you know, pretty easily on a clear day. To watch from the television set here on that Tuesday, September 11th, 
2001. We were here in the football offices uh, getting ready for another day of practice, you know, to watch those shocking scenes in New York City via television was a tremendous blow, I think, to our country and to uh, to everybody, and certainly from a guy who have lived in New York City. So, yeah, it was pretty shocking. You know, I think our, our nation really responded well. I appreciated uh, President Bush's response to this is not, we're not going to just sit down here and play dead and act afraid and be afraid. So there was a, it was an inspiration. And, you know, Schmitty, I often think, you know, football's like that. You know, sometimes you get hit in the mouth. Sometimes the things aren't going your way. Sometimes you get surprised attacked. Now, look, I don't want to equate anywhere near the game of football with what took place in 9-11 and our true first responders at 9-11. I had a college teammate that was a first responder, college football teammate in Charlie Margiot. I played with me at Brown University in the Ivy League. We were in the same class. We were together in school for four years, who was a Staten Island fireman. And as a first responder with three little girls at home and his wife, uh, Charlie Margiotta courageously did what first responders do in difficult situations. And he went into a bla- that blazing inferno, one of those twin towers, and lost his life trying to rescue lives. And so don't hear me equating a football and a football game with what Charlie Margiotta did post-football in his life. The real deal. Uh, he paid an ultimate sacrifice. My heart goes out. But football does give us a reminder of what it is to have situations in your life where things aren't always easy or good. And what's your response? And his first response was, go rescue lives. It's not about me. It's not about my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my life on the line for others. And so that meant everything to me. That means a lot to me. And uh, I'll always remember Charlie Maragiata, uh, Schmitty. And I'll, I'll never forget the fact that it, it was 20 years, Schmitty, before I even heard from Charlie Marjorie after we had graduated. And he was calling me a couple of weeks before 9-11. I hadn't heard from the guy in 20 years since we had graduated. I just felt like it was the Lord just wanted me to know and be reminded of what it, what it means to live a courageous life. He, he had contacted me to see if we could have, uh, you know, some football reunions and so forth. And I told Charlie, I'm coaching. I can't, I can't get there in the autumn. Uh, but he kept trying me. And then the next thing I know, he's gone in 9-11. So, yeah, it impacted me a great deal. And it, that was a very special year for me because of 9-11. Ron Brown's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Ron, did you have a chance to, to reach out to Charlie's family? I did talk to his wife, but it was prior to the, the 9-11 mm-hmm. incident. We've had some commemorations at the university for him. But to hear his wife's voice, um, to know that he had, I think he might have had three young girls, it breaks my heart, Schmitty. I had another player named Mike Benfonte, who was a defensive back for me at Brown University. Of course, I had graduated and so forth. On that same day, 9-11, little did I know that Mike Benfonte entered a blaze, that blazing in front of us well, one of those buildings. And he climbed up to maybe around the 100th floor, and he rescued a woman in a wheelchair, an elderly woman in a wheelchair became a national hero, was on Oprah Winfrey show, was on this, that, and the other, and I got a chance to talk to him. So I had two guys who I knew very closely from football, one a former player, uh, excuse me, one a former teammate, and one a former player of mine. One went in to rescue lives and died. The other went in to rescue lives and lived to tell about it. 
But the fact is, is that their first response was to go into a dangerous situation on a rescue mission. Uh, that, I'll tell you, that that's special. And uh, that I'll, I'll always remember 9-11 for that. And uh, I'll be reminded that Rice game that we played when Coach Osborne gave that great message uh, over the over the loudspeaker to 80,000 people, whoever, and all the first responders that we saw, all of that, Schmitty, uh, touches my life. I remember it like it was yesterday. Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, as a leader, what what were you able to do to, to comfort and calm uh, your kids that were playing for you and, and also maybe members on staff? I think Frank Solis did a really good job. You know, we went out to practice that day, Schmitty, uh, after the t- the two planes had uh, uh, blasted those Twin Towers. We we saw the damage on TV. We were shocked. We heard some of the stories. We were going to hear more later. But uh, that afternoon, we practiced in the afternoon back then. I'll never forget it. You know, there were no planes in the sky that day. Remember, they had canceled all the flights. And it was an eerie feeling because while we practiced in Memorial Stadium each day, we always saw planes flying over, you know, going to the Lincoln Airport, going to Omaha, uh, or coming from those two airports. But uh, in this this particular day, Tuesday afternoon, September 11, 2001, there were no planes except, Schmitty, except we saw two planes during practice and we believe it was Air Force One with uh, President Bush and I, I think an accompanying plane, either heading to Omaha or heading from Omaha. We all stopped. Everybody stopped. Schmitty, there were no cell phones back then. We just all stopped and we took mental pictures, visual pictures that turned mental. We didn't have anything to take pictures with, uh, but we stopped and everybody looked up in the sky and we just assumed that, hey, that's got to be President Bush. It, it, it seemed like that was the case. Now, I, I, we could be wrong, but that was our assessment of the situation. The only planes in the sky that day. I wish I had a camera. I wish I, I had a, a phone or something where we could have taken that picture. But we were all moved by that. And, and not only that, but we were honored um, not only by us being asked to play the first game back from college football versus Rice, but it was done suddenly, Schmitty. It was an it was a fast turnaround. The decision to play Rice to to change the schedule a little bit to play Rice on that uh, the, not the next Saturday after nine eleven, but the the following Thursday night in a, in a game. Uh, it was amazing. Our people in the state of Nebraska. Um, fill the stadium, 76,000 people, uh, changed their plans in a heartbeat, faster than a lamb could shake its tail, the people changed their plans and packed that stadium. We had uh, we had adjusted our classes, we got our players over to the East Campus where we normally stay the night before a game. On Wednesday night, we were able to, to do that. The university made leaps and bounds to accommodate and Dennis LeBlanc and our academic staff did a great job of reassessing our classes and so forth, and our players got ready to play. We played a great game that, 
that Thursday night uh, against a pretty good Rice team led by Ken Hatfield. Um, I'll always remember. I'll always remember the first responders. I'll remember the, the message from Coach Osborne, which was, I thought, a great message. Um, I'll remember the national anthem. Uh, I'll remember taking a knee in the national anthem, not in rebellion to anything, but to get on my knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and thank God that, that I, I lived in a nation um, that offered us protection and offered us uh, the opportunity to not sit back and, uh, uh, and play dead, uh, but to, to rise up. A nation that, uh, uh, that bore a city like, the, like New York in that mass chaotic scene where people banded together. You know, New York takes a big rap sometimes against uh, being personable and so forth, but those people rose up um, and um, helped one another out. And, and set a great example of, of what it means for strangers, people who don't normally talk to one another, to come around each other and, and rebound. And we had a chance during a difficult time to get our senses back together, get, get, get our feet back on the ground, not only to play a great game against Rice, but to have a great season. Schmitty, we went on to play in the national championship game uh, that year against the University of Miami. That didn't turn out so well, the game. But the season, we had a Heisman Trophy winner and Eric Crouch. Um, we we miraculously got into the national championship game through a weird set of circumstances. It was before the bowl playoffs and all those kinds of things. But it, it was a memorable year uh, for a lot of reasons. And I think with the 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 I think the the, the whole outline of the of the, what happened at nine eleven helped shape the character. Of that of our football team and remind us that we live in a great nation and we were excited that not only the president of the united states but the people would get us back to doing things as as we always do and we were honored to be that first football game that got people back in the stands on saturday had military protection but just these games became reminders of the american spirit that we have Ron Brown's with us, Sale Varsity Radio, Senior Offensive Analyst Coach. This was incredible to hear your story and your connection and uh, kind of diving deep with us with uh, some, some loved ones you've known in your career, uh, former teammate and, and a former player. Thanks for sharing. A quick thought, Coach, on, on uh, 2021 Nebraska and just where you think things are going offensively. I know you're a Senior Offensive Analyst. Uh, last week to, to this week, did you did overall did you like the improvement you saw? Yeah, I do. I, I do, uh, Schmitty. We we started off slow, you know. I think that was pretty recognizable. We had the ball on the ground early on, and a um, couple of hitches there, but we worked through it. And you know, again, uh, you you have to look at friction and not just keep slipping and sliding. You've got to turn the friction into traction. And uh, I think our kids did a good job of that. They were able to flush things and move uh, and move forward. Um, hats off to Fordham. They, they played tough. Uh, they, you know, they're, they're a 1AA team. They're not a well-known team, but they came in here and they battled. They had some real competitive kids. That Mike Linebacker they had, number 47, mm-hmm. and 30 tackles. I don't think I've ever heard of that before, but I'll tell you what, he stayed in the game the whole time, and I mean, that guy was playing, he was in remarkable physical condition, conditioning, he just uh, he just played his heart out throughout that day, uh, so you you can appreciate uh, players like that and teams that come in here under the 
you know, under adverse conditions and situations, not a well-known program, and, and battle the way they did. But our kids really picked things up as time went on. And so we made some improvement, there's no question. Um, and there's still a lot to improve on, and we're excited about, uh, about continuing to move forward. Ron Brown with us. Ron, we'll, we'll do this again, Coach, and thanks for your time today. Oh, you bet, Schmitty. God bless you. Thanks for, for doing a show on this because uh, although it was tough for us as Americans, the, the real test of who you are as a man and as a woman and as a person comes from and comes through adversity and the resiliency that was shown through that time here in Nebraska by our people in particular was exceptional. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Big Ten Buffet Time. Rick Bezo with us. Big Ten Network, he'll be in town for Nebraska-Buffalo. Rick, what's good? How are you, man? Life is good, man. Excited to come to Lincoln for the first time this year. Obviously just saw a game that we didn't expect the result of when I was at Iowa City. Not that we didn't expect Iowa to win, but certainly not the butt-kicking that we saw there. So maybe we get kind of back on the normalcy track this weekend. Yeah, I want to go back to Iowa City, and, and I know we talked last week, and I think we both thought Iowa maybe a little too tough. They were <laughs> real, real tough. What stuck out about Iowa? I mean, Indiana was one of the uh, the it teams coming into this year. Yeah, man, Iowa's defense is for real. I mean, they got some dudes up front. I know they lost Davion Nixon and a couple of other guys, but Zach Van Valkenburg just ate up that Indiana offensive line, and they're really good in the back seven. And I hate to be that guy that says Iowa does what Iowa does, but they're really well coached. They're fundamentally solid. If you make a mistake, you are going to pay for it against that defense, and that's exactly what happened. Michael Penix made a couple of bad reads. His receiver cut a route short when he was, or turned it up when he was supposed to cut a route short, and one of those turned into a pick six. One turned into an interception, and then Riley Moss gets another pick six to finish it off. So, I mean, Iowa does everything right. You're going to beat them. you got to have fundamentally solid football, and Indiana didn't. Rick Pizzo's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Rick, a uh, thought as you kind of prep for Nebraska here, a uh, slower start against Fordham. It turned out all right. Uh, Nebraska able to, to bounce back after the, the Illinois loss. You know, what do you see in the big red as you come to town? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of a letdown, and I was surprised by that in the middle of the first quarter, kind of late in the first or even early into the second. You would expect – in the home opener coming off that loss for there to be this supercharged emotion. And it was there when they ran out and then Fordham kind of slowed the game down a little bit. And the next thing you know, it's seven, seven, it's 10, seven. And we're waiting for that explosion. Now it came, you just can't wait that long. You got to be ready to go straight out of the gates. The Buffalo team that's been at the Mac championship a couple of years and we lost it. And I know they have a new coaching staff and I know they have a ton of turnover but this is the kind of team that you don't want coming into your building 
and building any type of momentum and having the crowd quiet down and wonder what's going on because that's when things get sideways. So I'm really excited to see, and I think Scott's looking for the exact same thing. Come out fast, man. Show me that you are the more athletic, the more talented team early. Put these guys away as quickly as you possibly can. When it comes to teams starting slow, the opponent has a lot to do with that. Sometimes uh, you yourself as a squad – uh, either emotionally, mentally, or physically, just don't do what you need to do. As you, as you look at Nebraska, you know, th- they've been pretty notorious for, for being in their own way. They can win games. They can play a good quarter. They can play a good half. They can play a good three quarters. They're working on the, the complete game. I know all teams are, are looking and working towards perfection, right? They, they, they keep chasing that. Now, with Nebraska, as you see them, it is – is this just a, a confidence thing, a stress thing, or is it just a matter of, of gelling? If you were to put your finger on it, if you were to, to kind of give me your take. It can't be gelling at this point, right? I mean, now this group has been together for long enough. I think it's confidence, and I think it's, uh, you know, I love to relate stuff to golf, right? I mean, you hit one left off the first tee. The first thing that you're thinking about when you get on the number two tee is not to go left. And so invariably, what happens? You go over the top of it and you pull it left, right? And I think that's been what we've seen from Nebraska. Don't get nervous. This is a game you should win. We're going to be okay. They're not going to be in this game. The next thing you know, the team's in the game. We can't afford to lose. You can't play football. You can't play any sport and be successful if you are playing not to lose. You have to play to win. And I think that sometimes a little bit of this pressure that's built up over the last couple of years, I feel like I have seen some times where I'm watching these guys play not to lose as opposed to playing to win, especially against teams that they're expected to beat. So go out there this weekend and play like the team that is expected to beat Buffalo fairly handily. And if you can do that a couple of weeks in a row – then you start to change your mentality, but they need to do it a couple of weeks in a row. It has to be a more consistent thing. Consistency is key, and, and Coach Frost has talked about that. We're wanting to see uh, consistency on the offensive line, uh, find uh, that hot running back, and above all, Rick, give Adrian some time because he was pretty good when he was kept yep. clean last weekend. Yep, I agree. And I think that's, that's the main thing for Adrian, right? When he doesn't start thinking too much and when he can just play within himself, he remains one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in this league. When he starts getting those happy feet because guys are in the backfield and he starts thinking too much, that's when he makes the throws that make us scratch our heads. So there's no one that, to me, that description applies more to than Adrian. Once Adrian settles in and gets that confidence, I mean, I think part of the reason he was so good his freshman year was because we didn't know, right? There were no expectations. He was just playing ball. Like, and I think for two and a half years, we've kind of waited for him to just get back to being that guy who's out there playing ball and showing everybody up. You're right. It's easy to go in playing free, and, and he had talked about that leading up to Illinois. Now, as many things that went wrong against the Illini, Nebraska still had a chance to to pull a rabbit yep. out of their hat. They, they didn't. As, as you look, Nebraska now going into this third game, you know, what, what's impressed you on the other side of the ball defensively? Uh, what have you taken? What have you studied about the, the Husker defense? Well, you know, defensively, especially watching the Illinois game, Chris, because I was there in person, I felt like the first half of that game they did a really nice job getting 
after the quarterback. Obviously, you knock Brandon Peters out of the game, and then you knock Art Sikowski around a little bit. I thought Payne was really good early in that game. But the problem then becomes if you don't stop the run and you're trailing, why is anybody going to put their quarterback in harm's way? And we didn't see that. Sikowski made one or two big throws, but then he just kind of settled underneath, tight ends, let your running backs do the work. So what you have to do is be able defensively to get that same kind of quarterback pressure that they had against Illinois, but also to be solid in gap sound. And I think that's something that we haven't talked enough about defensively, or at least outside of Lincoln, maybe you talked about it a lot in town, is that sometimes when those guys want to go for the sacks and the tackles for loss and the big plays, they lose what the coaches call gap integrity, right? And that happened a bunch against Illinois. It can't happen if this defense wants to be as good as I think it can be because I'll be honest with you, I think this can clearly be the best defense of the Scott Frost era. They have the depth and and talent to be there, but you're right. Uh, The gap integrity, uh, and you saw, and Coach Chins talked about it yesterday, guys maybe trying a bit too hard, doing too much, and not doing their job, and yet a couple of busts, you know, 25 and 30-yard run by Fordham you know you get deeper into your schedule Oklahoma Buffalo uh, Michigan State with what they looked like against Northwestern and their ground and pound uh, could be uh, you know difficult but you know the black shirt D has has been pretty good we'll see if they take another step uh, this weekend Rick we'll get you out of here special teams and uh, it's been interesting with with Cam Taylor Britt Uh, he's not going to lose his job per Scott Frost but You know, Cam can do some really nice things in the return game, but we talk about guys maybe trying too hard. There could be case in point right there. Yeah, but Scott made it clear, right? He's like, I'm not going to take a guy's job away because he makes one or two mistakes. And so I think that's the head coach telling you, listen, you're the best guy I got back there. I know that when you make the right decisions, you're the most dangerous guy I have back here. You're the one that can put us in a spot where we have good field position offensively every time we're about to get the ball back. But don't make mental mistakes. Uh, You know, execution mistakes, they happen. Sometimes you drop the ball. Sometimes you run the wrong way. You run into the coverage instead of away from the coverage. You can't field the ball in places where you're not supposed to field the ball. And you can't expose the ball when you're not supposed to expose the ball. So you get rid of those couple of things. And I think he can be a dynamic return. He is a dynamic return man. You just need to be able to trust the guy fundamentally on the lowest level. Then after that, then you can go ahead and show me how dynamic you are. Basketball question real quick. I look at Nebraska. The Big Ten schedule is out. A nice schedule for the Big Red. Uh, some opportunity at PBA during the week and into the weekends. You know, as we get closer to, to, to basketball season, you know, what's an expectation for you with this squad Hoiberg's got? A lot of talent coming in. Oh, man, you're killing me. I haven't even had a chance to look at the schedule. It's week three of football season, Schmidt. I just got off the golf course. I'm getting ready to come to Lincoln for a football game. Come on, man. Oh, surprise. My fault. My fault, Rick. But, hey, just overall, just overall, you know who's back, you know who's coming in. Uh, but, man, it's, it's really going to be, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Iowa. I know Iowa loses a lot, but, you know, Sparty never goes away. Uh, it's still going to be a pretty yep. tough Big Ten, don't you think? It's going to be a tough league. I, mean, I don't think the league is going to be quite as dangerous top to bottom, maybe, as it's been the last couple of years because of, you know, the losses that you mentioned. Obviously, if you're Iowa and you lose Wieskamp and Luca Garza, you can't be expected to be the same team. And that applies to some other teams as well. But – 
I think this is going to be once again a deep league, obviously once again a talented league. So, uh, you know, I don't have any issue if Nebraska is a team that is basically trying to contend with the teams that they should be. Listen, it's really hard in this league, especially on the road, right, to go on the road and beat teams that are maybe more talented than you. And as much talent as Nebraska is bringing in, and obviously Fred has done an amazing job on the recruiting trail, they are still going to be chasing a lot of these teams in terms of overall talent. So you circle the games, and coaches would never do this publicly. they probably never even do this to their teams. But you circle the games against teams that you know you are equal with talent-wise, and you say, those are the games we absolutely have to win, especially when they're at home. And if you can do that, then everything else is bonus. Rick Pizzo will be in Lincoln, Nebraska, Buffalo, Big Ten Network uh, on the sidelines. Rick, thanks for a few minutes, bud. Chris, always my pleasure, man. There he is, Rick Pizzo from BTN with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Still have a jock dop coming up here in just a second. But Rick, with some uh, with some insightful thoughts on what he saw from Nebraska Fordham as well as what he's looking forward to this weekend uh, in the Nebraska and Buffalo game. Absolutely loaded show as uh, if you missed Ron Brown's interview to lead off this hour, something you got to get checked out as that will be up on the, Hus- or the excuse me, the ESPN Lincoln Twitter account uh, here shortly if it is not up already as well as ESPNLincoln.com. Back in the first hour, we heard from Husker historian and uh, author as well as uh, a writer for Hale Varsity Magazine, Mike Babcock. Uh, Mike Babcock also going to be up on the ESPNLincoln.com. And we also heard from Mike Shuhart. If you missed any of the interviews or any of the show, make sure to catch it on uh, the Hale Varsity YouTube page, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you like to get your podcasts. A Jock Doc is next here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could... Listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Talk Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seifert is with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, you got some, some golf weather going. How are you? Yeah, right. It looks pretty awesome out there. I know it. I wish I, wish I brought the clubs along with me. Well, it uh, another time. It'd be a little tough to uh, to golf with a chipped uh, right index finger. Uh, Trey Lance is dealing with that. The the Niners quarterback, uh, really high draft pick, of course, out of North Dakota State, and that news out about a week ago from Kyle Shanahan, uh, missing about a week or so. Uh, did this against uh, uh, one of the in the uh, the preseason finale. And, and talk to me a little bit about chips and uh, short-term, long-term issues here. What is Trade Lance dealing with? Yeah, you know, a couple of things on the finger chips. Uh, the big thing is, it obviously, it depends on where it's at. Um, you know, when we start hearing about, you know, finger chips, we start to worry about, is that a little area where maybe a tendon pulled off the bone? Uh, in particular, one of the most common things we'll see is a thing called a mallet finger, which is basically, uh, if you think about anatomically, where you extend or bring your finger out straight that's called extension at the very end of your finger there's a there's a tendon that hooks on just kind of right before uh, the nail starts and what can happen there if you kind of jam your finger you can actually have a piece of that tendon kind of pull off and it usually will pull up a little chip of bone with it then you lose the ability to extend the tendon out Um, so that's a possibility here they didn't describe this exactly what it is but that'd be one of the things i'd worry about that's called a mallet finger 
you can flip the hand over and kind of reverse that. And if you're kind of bending your fingers down or flexing your fingers down, there's another thing called like a jersey finger where you kind of get your finger stuck in somebody's jersey and it rips it forward. That can also uh, knock off the tendon and cause little kind of bone chip fractures as well. And so that's obviously a possibility. And then kind of the third thing that's a possibility for him is this might be a deal where he actually dislocated that finger and they popped it back in place. Sometimes you get little bone chips from that too. So we definitely have a couple possibilities here. Obviously the big thing is it's a chip. They didn't have to do surgery on it, at least it sounds like. And so it should be something that you, know, you can recover fairly quickly from. If it's just a chip and not one of those kind of tendon issues, then you're basically looking at going kind of week to week. When you get your motion and strength back, you can play. But if you're looking at one of those situations where, you know, in particular that tendon on the back of the finger where you straighten your finger out, if you have a mallet finger, then you're looking at being one of these kind of straight finger splints, if you will, for about six weeks. Um, and you maybe could go back to doing some playing in about three or four weeks with the splints on, but obviously as a thrower, that makes that pretty tough. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Trey Lance and a small chip in his right index finger. What's the, the timeline here of rest tell you with seven days? Yeah, you know, it's been uh, you know, seven days. It probably is going to feel like motion-wise he's still pretty that kind of grip strength. Then you think about, you know, as you're kind of going through your mechanics and how much kind of that last kind of finger to roll off the ball and the index finger, um, you do worry about some control issues there. And so, you know, he's he's probably a guy that needs another, I'm guessing, maybe two to three weeks on this, most likely. Dr. Brandon, you, you, you dropped out, but we got we got uh, the gist of, of the timeline here and kind of reading into that, that seven-day period. Uh, of of rest uh, and you're right with with being a right hand thrower you do the motion that that last finger to, to touch and roll pre-thumb release is that that index finger and where, where this happened was was Lance's follow through hitting another player's helmet now he stayed in the game but over the years you've had to see tons of hand or even wrist injuries. A lot of times it's the thumb, right? But sometimes you get the, the different fingers. Uh, that, that is one of the main causes, isn't it, of, of quarterback injury, specifically with the hands, is, is drilling either a lineman's or defensive player's helmet. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. That's a great point. You know, we do we do see a lot of that. It really is, yeah, hand injury is probably the most common thing we see, obviously coming off somebody's helmet, getting tackled, kind of landing on top of the hand. Um, linemen kind of in your face and you get in your hand kind of swatted away by one of the linemen so we do see those quite frequently for sure when it comes to, to taping and splinting uh, he was able to, to, to tape that finger and I, I don't know how big uh, Lance's hands are but I would think if you're taping index to middle you can still grip the football but are you still? I mean, from an accuracy and a velocity and a strength standpoint, the arm's still going to be strong, but you, the, the grip is got to be concerning. If if you're, you know, bent on playing him even after this, and he's still not a hundred percent, that's got to affect what you're going to call right in the passing game based on on his his grip ability and his accuracy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Chris. So that that's really the big thing is that obviously the arm strength is good, but that grip strength is really key. You know, how's the grip strength going to be in just in terms of your control? 
So then you start looking at, okay, what kind of different game plan are we going to call with him to maybe bring it more into kind of a short passing type situation? Um, but even some of those, you got to put some zip on the ball to, to get it out there in the short, flat area. So that's that's going to be a challenge. So when, when it comes to, I, I guess, monitoring and treating what what is going on with the 49er medical staff here with Lance, is it ice? Obviously you splint it, but what anti-inflammatory, do you numb it? I mean, what are the steps here to, to try and at least alleviate some pain? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing with these is that they really do, the fingers are pretty unforgiving. They really do tighten up um, pretty quickly. And so in particular, these chip fractures usually kind of center around uh, the joint aspect. And so it tends to stiffen up quickly. So really want to get very aggressive with therapy with these right away. Again, if it's just a chip fracture, you're not really worried about, you know, a big piece of that bone displacing and being an issue down the road. It's more we got to get motion back. And so as you get your motion back, then the strength piece comes. You know, we've talked before in the show about doing injections, you know, doing some numbing medicine for the game. Is that, a, you know, a smart thing to do? It'd be pretty tough in this scenario just when you think about, again, this whole control issue. Um, if you start, you know, putting numbing medication in there, now you're looking at, you know, basically having a finger that's not working very well. You kind of lose out some of that control. So that, unfortunately, wouldn't be really a great option, you know, in this setting. Just thinking about it, too. I mean, are you going <laughs> to, when it comes to the snap, are you, is it, are you, are you more prone to injury, Dr. Brandon, under center or shotgun? Re-injury, I should say. It's probably more. It's probably more in the shotgun situation. You know, really? at least under center, you you have a pretty good feel for where you, know, you kind of know right where that ball is going to be. You know, in the shotgun scenario, it's coming out. There's a little bit more chance it could be off to one side or the other. Um, so there's probably a little bit more chance you could kind of tweak this a little bit. Um, obviously, it depends too if you're one of those quarterbacks that's spending a lot of time reading the defenses and then you kind of look last second about where the ball's being snapped again there's an opportunity there that you could kind of retweak this thing as well yeah and what's what's real quick what's the re-injury rate with a with a with a bone chip in your in your finger is it pretty common or uh not so much it's actually pretty common to kind of retweak this that that tissue again that tissue is so mm-hmm. sensitive and so when you kind of bump this thing again, you'll kind of go right back in that zone of that. Ah, you know, it's it's stiff again. The strength piece goes away. And so there'll, there'll be some ups and downs for him. There'll be about one of those kind of three- to four-week kind of growing pain periods that he'll go through as he moves back through this recovery. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Trey Lance, our topic. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the time. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Hail Varsity Radio here one last time on a Wednesday. It's Elijah Herbal wrapping up the show for you today as uh, we are nearing uh, closer and closer to Nebraska Volleyball's matchup with Creighton. That's coming up here in about 30 minutes as uh, the Huskers facing a ranked Blue Jays team, their first ranked opponent of the season for the Huskers, John Cook calling the matchup a celebration of volleyball. Specifically, it's a uh, celebration of volleyball in the state of Nebraska. 
as there are uh, combined 10 players uh, that are from Nebraska being featured in tonight's game. It should be a good one as uh, the Creighton volleyball program really building up in recent years should be a, uh, a, a raucous crowd up at the CHI Health Center. And uh, I'm really looking forward to watching this one as the Huskers season is ramping up. Uh, they will uh, have a host of top 25 teams coming to Lincoln as uh, they wrap up their non-conference slate. Utah's coming up, Stanford's coming up, Louisville's coming up, and uh, they're going to get their uh, their matchups with top 25 teams underway with Creighton tonight, 6.30. Uh, that one uh, on TV, FS1, is where I will be uh, watching that as I'm um, looking forward to seeing the Huskers and the Blue Jays battle it out. That, that in-state battle heating up in uh, volleyball, heating up in basketball as uh, the Husker volleyball team looking to keep their strong start to the season rolling. They've had some ups and downs, uh, but uh, they are still undefeated on this young season, looking to keep that streak going as the Huskers definitely got to be looking for a national championship this year after uh, after the disappointing COVID season. I guess I should say the, uh, the finish to their COVID season last year. I'm really looking forward to seeing them get a test tonight from Creighton. Before we get out of here, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Big 12 expansion as uh, the AAC is awaiting the exit notices from Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati as uh, Cincinnati reportedly requested officially to join the Big 12 today, the AAC, looking to expand in response to the... uh, they're top three teams, essentially, in terms of money makers. When you look at Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati, they're drawing the most eyeballs every single year to the AAC and Cincinnati's football team uh, under Coach Fickle, really on the up and up. Uh, there was discussions, uh, well, if the Big Ten's got to expand. Do they look at Cincinnati? Well, looks like the Big 12 will be getting Cincinnati here shortly. The AAC wants to retain their status as uh, they call themselves Power Six. Not sure what to what to take away from that. Uh, the six power conference, uh, I I don't buy that one bit. Uh, but they're looking to expand uh, to uh, to keep pace as they're losing their top three teams. Again, if you missed any parts of the show today, it was a good one as we had Mike Babcock back in the first hour as well as Mike Schuhart. It's been a while since we checked in with Shuey. Shuey joining us from an under construction wilderness ridge as uh, the uh, lesson's been uh, ramping up as the, uh, the, the weather's been cooling off. Uh, Shuey was money, as uh, he told us. He, he really is not interested in watching Husker football this year until they show him something different than they've shown in recent years. And then an hour or two, uh, we had a great uh, sit-down with Coach Ron Brown, uh, who had some, uh, some really personal uh, stories from 9-11, as well as that 9-11 uh, tribute that Nebraska put together for that Rice game, uh, which was about 20 years ago now. Uh, and then we also heard from uh, Rick Pizos. He's going to be in town for Buffalo, Nebraska, before the Jock Doc wrapped things all up. It was a loaded show today. we got more coming your way tomorrow. Jeremiah Searles sitting down with us at 525. We love Searles. That's all coming up tomorrow. This has been Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.